0: This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is
1: why we're here. This is
0: why each one of us are here. And now, here's
1: your host.
0: Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese and thank you for joining me as always. So excited to be joined across the way, back reunited with Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back. It's it's been a while since we talked on
1: air. Really excited to have you across the way tonight. Uh, thanks, Paul. Yeah, it's it's that summertime, right? Um, but I feel like uh, you've had all the fun. It's been such a great row of guests. I know we still have a few more we're trying to squeeze in before the season really starts. But, you know, it, football is right upon us now. I mean, we have that college football season starting in a matter of weeks. And, you know, we have a whole landscape. Um, of players to get through um, to prep everybody for this college football season so maybe just getting into it you know first impressions we're going to talk quarterbacks here you know we just had a you know a, a good class come in what's your thoughts on the quarterback landscape in college football today
0: yeah I mean I've been I've been digging through the film for the last four or five weeks or so as we've been having guests on talking about the NFL season and the rookies, and now we finally are going to turn the page. We might have a, another NFL show or two before the season kicks off to kind of one final look at the rookies before, uh, you know, they start their you know their regular season and, and overlook at the the preseason. But well, we finally turn the page. We start turning the page to the college fo- upcoming college football season. We turn the page to the 2024 NFL draft. First episode tonight is talking about the quarterbacks. And I think this is going to be a really unique class because we got the high end talent. We got we, we got a class that's going to rival the top when we had the year with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then we got some other wild cards that, you know, again, yeah, Zach Wilson hasn't panned out in the NFL yet. Trey Lance hasn't panned out in the NFL, but they were a part of that really strong class. We might have another one or two guys emerge from this class to be in the mix, to go in in the top 10 or, or round one. And then I think there's a lot of really interesting guys that I kind of put on the day two range that we're going to kind of get into tonight also that I really think if the season breaks right for these guys could be other guys that elevate themselves into a position of potentially being looked at as franchise starting caliber quarterbacks at the next level and could maybe work their way into round one. I think it's a really strong group. It starts out really strong at the top and I think there's a lot of interesting guys after the top two that could really make it a very deep and 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 exciting class to watch. Uh, and we know these things change, right? This is why this is our first look. This is our summer scouting. It's a long way away from that 2024 season, right, in, in terms of the 2020, 2024 NFL draft. And we know just a couple years ago, right, we did a show like this, and the two names were Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, were supposed to be two locked-in top-five picks. We know how that turned out. We'll see about Spencer Rattler still in college. Sam Howell going to get a chance, but he fell all the way to, I think it was like the, the fourth round or the third round. So things change a lot in, in, in a, in the college football year from the summer until, you know, the whole season and then the NFL draft process. But it's fun to kind of get my feet wet with all these quarterback prospects that I watch. We're going to go through them tonight. We're going to do it a little bit different than we've done these shows in the past. We're going to do it as, as more of my first rankings type. Uh, in terms of that going in the rankings. We're going to keep it real concise, you know, like a minute, minute and a half summary on these players and and then keep it moving tonight because we're going to be talking about these guys a lot during the regular season and then obviously a lot in the pre-draft process. You know, so it's going to be fun to kind of talk through these guys with you. I know you've had a chance to watch some of these guys and have some thoughts on some of these guys as well. Uh, So it's going to kind of be, it's going to kind of be fun to get a chance to kind of talk through, some of these guys with you and and have a good time. For people watching on YouTube, we will be sharing the 2024 scouting notebook, which isn't even available yet for consumption in terms of the, the premium notebooks over at Saturday Sunday. Around Labor Day is usually when the, the new wave of notebooks drop. But what you're going to see tonight, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, is my initial scouting reports on many of these quarterback prospects as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see me You kind of share the screen right now. And and get over to the Google Sheets document where all the scouting reports are written on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for this quarterback class, we've seen I've seen four, five, six different you know early mock drafts, and you know we've got a couple of names that people are going to recognize at the top, but you know the t- the third or the fourth quarterback that they fit in that first round has been a different name for every single one of these mock drafts, and it's really about you know there's players there with potential, there's players there who've had you know, maybe a little bit longer in college and have have come in with the production. And I think it's going to get really interesting as, as we work our way down these rankings. So, I mean, I think it's no surprise. Let's start at the top. Number one ranked quarterback, Caleb Williams, junior at USC, 6'1", 215. Last year, he had 4,500 passing yards, 42 touchdowns, five interceptions, and added another 10 touchdowns rushing with nearly 400 yards. Give me your first thoughts on Caleb Williams.
0: Yes, yeah, so on Caleb Williams, I think he's going to be one of the most exciting quarterback prospects and, and talked about since Andrew Luck. I think he's going to rival Trevor Lawrence and maybe even be a, a prospect that we look at as even more talented than when Trevor Lawrence was coming out because he really is the complete package. Yeah, his size and frame are just average, like you talked about, but he's got very good arm talent, the strength, the velocity to make every NFL for He shows, good accuracy, ball placement. He can throw with touch. He's very good athleticism. He shows that in terms of his ability to move around the pocket, his rushing ability. He's got great poise under pressure. It's one of his elite traits, his elite playmaking ability to grow on the run, playoff structure, grow from different arm angles and platforms. He's a great decision maker, pocket awareness, mental process. It's all there. He's a franchise quarterback, can play in any scheme. I think he's locked in to be a top five quarterback pick in the NFL draft with a super high ceiling to be an elite player.
1: Yeah, before Sean Payton was even a coach of the Broncos and, and kind of last year when Caleb was taking the world by storm, he said the NFL is going to have a tanking problem this year. And and you see it just with his innate ability to just know where pressure is coming from and evade it at all times. You'll see Mahomes comps all year with, with Caleb Williams. Just I think the play style really kind of lends itself to that. Um, I really have no concerns. I am about as excited for Caleb Williams as anybody else out there. Um, and this is going to be one, one ride that's going to be extremely fun to watch. Let's keep our, keep it rolling. We'll, we'll go to the number two quarterback here. We're going to go to Drake May. He's a red shirt sophomore out of UNC. He's six, four And Rivaled production from Caleb Williams last year, 4,300 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and more production on the ground, at least from yardage, 700 yards on the ground, and seven rushing touchdowns. Give me your thoughts on, Caleb, on uh, Drake May.
0: Yeah, so Drake May is another guy who's going to be considered a high-level caliber prospect. He's got the ideal prototypical size and frame. He's also got really good athleticism, mobility, rushing ability. He's got great arm talent. I would think his arm talent is even a little bit better than Caleb Williams in terms of his straight velocity and strength. He can make tight window throws. Very good accuracy and ball placement to all three levels of the the field. He displays good to very good mental processing, touch, decision making, and poise under pressure. I think he's another franchise caliber type quarterback. I think he's locked in the top five. The only reason I'll say top five is because you have Marvin Harrison. I'm sure you'll have an elite defensive player or two be in the mix, and we don't know who's picking at the top of the draft, but he's going to go near the top of this draft for sure. The only difference between him and Caleb Williams, is a little bit inconsistent footwork and mechanics at times, and you just don't see him make as many plays off structure, but besides that high level caliber prospect
1: yeah I mean, I, I kind of have similar notes here. I think one thing that I hear a lot about uh, Drake May is is his rushing upside is going is pretty high. And that's one of the things that I actually didn't see at least translating onto an NFL field. I think it's not as much Kyler Murray. I think it's a you know a little bit more Bryce Young, right it, you know, be able to use his athleticism to to extend plays. But you know, not going to be a Justin Fields, even K or Kyler Murray style um producer on the ground at the NFL level. That's my point of view. I, I saw the same thing. I thought his mechanics, you know, choppy hoppy. He kind of plays the quarterback like, like he's a shortstop, right? Doesn't doesn't really have a set base ever. Um, but he really does get those throws out there. Um and then I don't think it's really polarizing for those to be top two quarterbacks on most people's boards. You know, those are going to be consistently there, at least um, you know, as long as they play well throughout the college season, you're gonna see them at the top of mock drafts, you're gonna see, you know, them be the most hyped throughout this year. But I think it really gets interesting as we work our way down the ranks now. And and this next player is one that I I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And that's Quinn Ewers, your third-ranked quarterback. He's a redshirt sophomore for Texas. First year starting last year, he's 6'2", 205. He only played in 10 games last year. He did have an injury. He hit 2,200 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, uh, six interceptions um, through the air. Not as much notable uh, rushing production. Give me your thoughts on Quinn Ewers now.
0: Yeah, the word you're going to hear with Quinn Ewers is is toolsy and developmental upside to be a high caliber NFL prospect and a high caliber NFL quarterback because he has everything you're looking for. He's got good size. I would say his frame is just about average, but I expect him to kind of grow into that a little bit more. He's got very good arm talent, similar to Drake May it's right up there, velocity and strength. He can make tight window throws. You see the ball just snap out of of his hand when he makes the throw. He can push it outside the numbers. He can push it vertically down the field. He can take some off and throw with good touch. He can throw from different arm angles and platforms as well. You talked about there's a little bit, obviously, more development and refinement needed. There's some inconsistent mechanics and in footworks he's got to clean up. There's some inconsistent accuracy in ball placement. He's got to show his ability to go for progression. Some of the mental processing has to speed up a little bit. He has to show he can throw on the run. But I think he's got all the tools to be a high-caliber prospect that the NFL is going to look at as a, a late round one, early round two, currently at the moment.
1: Yeah, when... You know, you mentioned that I did get a chance to look through a few players and Quinn Yours is is one of those ones that I think is he's a very polarizing player. He's probably the next name you're going to see along most people's boards, but in you know, tools and potential. I mean, he's winning beauty pageants back in the pocket, right? But that accuracy it and the ball placement is honestly a real problem in order for Texas to be a consistent offense. Like he's missing some throws quite badly last year and it's his first year starting so you know we oftentimes see progression and improvement uh, but uh, if that's not there it'll be really interesting to see his decision to go out into the nfl with arch manning behind him or you know does he stick around um what does the nfl think of him and hit when they give him the grades for pre-draft grades and, and his choice to go forward so that's a more common yeah, let me
0: just let me just jump yeah. in one more time Like anyone who is watching on YouTube and sees the scouting reports, the amount in the developmental areas and concerns for Quinn Ewers is far superior than Caleb Williams and Drake May in terms of a complete prospect. Quinn Ewers right now is, it's all about tools and development. It's all about trait base. It's not consistent production. It's not consistent, you know, mechanics or, you know, accuracy. He's got a big arm he's toolsy he's got some athletic ability even though I don't think that's going to be more of a in the rushing capacity I could see people looking at Quinn Ewers in a similar light to maybe you know when Zach Wilson started to really pick up a lot of momentum like that's kind of where I feel Ewers is right now it's all trade-based it's why my draft projection right now is round one round two because I'm not sure it can go either way and if Arch if Arch Manning steals the job he won't even be in the draft right at some point he'll be a transfer go into another program and, you know, he'll go the way of Spencer Rattler, right? Like, so this could really go in a variety of ways. If he puts it together and shows more consistency, I think we're talking top 10. I think we're talking round one, but if it goes the other way, I think you're talking staying in college, potentially transferring, not a guy who's going to force his way out as a guy who probably would not be in the the round one mix if we see more of those inconsistencies. Uh, So he's one of those first guys in this class that I think is really polarizing that the upside is high, and that's why I have him at third, but he is far from a finished product right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think, you know, it's definitely a tear break uh, before we get to Ewers here, and I don't think people are talking about that potential um, track where he he might lose the job. And, uh, you know, I think his plate does have, has to step up for him to keep it, but if he does, the weapons around him, the offense around him is going to be great as well. Let's walk into maybe a name that people are not quite as familiar with. Uh, Jordan Travis. He's a player I love. He's a senior from Florida State. Uh, He's 6'1", 202. Uh, Last year, he had uh, 3,200 passing yards. He had 24 touchdowns, uh, five interceptions, and he has a rushing element to his game as well. 400 yards, seven touchdowns rushing. Give us a little quick insight into Jordan Travis.
0: So Jordan Travis is a guy I'm really intrigued by. Average size and frame, good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength, average accuracy and ball placement, very good athleticism, rushing ability and mobility with the ability to improvise, playoff structure, throw on the run consistently well. He can throw with good touch, shows poise in the pocket. Yeah, there's some things I, I could see him working on, inconsistent footworks and mechanics at times. When I watch him play, right now I think he's a day two type caliber prospect, but I see a lot of room. For for growth in terms of him, I think Florida State's gonna be a much better team this year. So last year, I really liked Jaron Hall as a day three prospect. Obviously, I loved Bryce Young. I thought they were similar players that just had different levels of ability. I kind of think Jordan Travis is like smack dab in the middle of what I thought about Jaron Hall last year and 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 Bryce Young, right? A guy who I thought was around four guy, a guy who I thought was a top five pick. Jordan Travis is a really interesting player. I could see him moving up this board to be the number three quarterback in this class, or I could see him falling back a little bit to be more in that Jaron Hall day three mix.
1: And he has the environment around him to do it, Um, and he has the flashes to do it. I think one of the most impressive things was, you know, his ability to play well underneath, um, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, um, you know, and really just kind of you know, work the chains. His rushing ability is is great as well. I, the consistency is something that we have to see, but you've seen big time throws from him as well. Let's move to the next guy, uh, Riley Leonard. He's he's a junior. He's playing at Duke. He's 6'4", 2'11". You know, last year, he had 3,000 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, and it, I think a theme here, more production on the ground, 700 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, this is the new prototype of what teams are looking for in NFL quarterbacks. What are some of his strengths uh, that we can look forward to?
0: Yeah, so Riley Leonard is a guy who I don't think is getting a lot of publicity from like the general draft Twitter. If you look at the guys like Dave Brugler and the other you know draft experts, he's being talked about. Really interesting product uh, prospect, great size. Average frame, good athleticism, mobility, and rushing ability, but I do think like Drake May, some of that is a little manufactured, that like he's not going to be that 700-yard rusher at the next level. He's got average arm talent in terms of velocity and strength, but he can make most NFL throws that I think he needs to. Above average to good accuracy, very good ball placement. That's my favorite trait of him. is ball placement and his ability to throw a touch as a vertical passer. So while he doesn't have an elite arm or even a great arm, he throws a great touch and he's got really good ball placement as a vertical thrower good mental processor, good decision maker to work through progressions. Right now, I have him as an early day two pick, high-end backup quarterback with the traits to develop into a starting quarterback, I think best in a spread offense that utilizes RPO concepts and pushes the ball vertically down the field.
1: I want to go through a couple more names here before maybe we just take a a quick spot and and assess where we are in our, our rankings and tiers. So I'm going to just jump straight into number six quarterback here, Joe Milton. He's a redshirt senior from Tennessee. Six five, two thirty-six. He had two games started in twenty twenty-two. He had nine hundred and seventy-one passing yards, ten touchdowns, a little bit of rushing on the ground, you know, 77 yards in those two games. We haven't seen much, but what have you seen?
0: So Joe Milton is a fascinating prospect. We I mentioned before Tool Z, a lot of upside for a guy like Quinn Ewers. Joe Milton is right there. A lot of injuries in his path. Very limited experience. He hasn't shown the ability to work through progressions, the mental processing, throwing with touch and anticipation, inconsistent mechanics and footwork. They're all there. Pre-snap, post-snap reads, all concerns. But what does he have? Great size and frame. Elite arm talent. Not great, not elite elite. Best in the class in terms of velocity and strength to make every NFL throw outside the numbers, vertically down the field, tight windows. He's got good athleticism. He, in the limited time we've seen, he's got the mobility to throw on the run and make plays with his legs. He's got great play strength and toughness, tough to take down in the pocket, quick release to snap the ball out. Uh, I think there's some improvement there in terms of in terms of functional accuracy and ball placement. He's a developmental quarterback right now, but with those tools and in that offense, he's going to produce numbers. I think he's going to be really intriguing Uh, to the NFL evaluators next April.
1: All right. And I want to hit one more name here before we take a quick stop. But J.J. McCarthy, junior uh, in Michigan, 6'3", 209. You know, last year, 2,700 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions, 300 yards on the ground with five touchdowns. Not gaudy numbers, but we know that Michigan program uh, is – you know, was among the best last year. We expect it to be good again this year. Give us a profile on J.J. McCarthy.
0: Yeah, so McCarthy's the guy who I think is going to continue to rise throughout the college football season. I think Michigan's a loaded team this year. When I watched J.J. McCarthy play, Good size, average frame, good athleticism, rushing ability, and mobility to bro on the run. We're talking about a former big-time, big-time high school recruit. He keeps plays alive with his legs. He shows the ability to play off structure. He's got good arm talent to make the bros that he needs to make at the next level. I think his accuracy is probably just average right now and and also his decision-making. So I'd like to see that improve a little bit. I do have some concerns about inconsistent ball placement, uh, some concerns about poise under pressure. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more anticipatory throws, pre-snap reads. I think that offense it, it doesn't ask him to do a lot because there's so you know so much on the ground. But I think he's got a lot of traits that are intriguing. And if we see a little bit more put on his plate, I think that's really going to intrigue NFL teams. I have a day two grade on him right now, similar to some of the other players, backup quarterback, with the upside and traits to become a starting quarterback. Probably best in the spreader or a West Coast offense that utilizes RPO concepts as well.
1: Yeah, McCarthy is one of those names that you know, I've seen get that round one buzz. The, the the early projections of this is a guy who's gonna work his way into that this year. Um, you know, I did a lot of scouting for Blake Corum and uh before we knew he wasn't going to the draft and uh Donovan Edwards, you know, and and so, you know, I see a lot of JJ McCarthy, you know, throwing passes off mark behind his, you know, behind him in the in the flats and um, behind his receivers, and and I think those accuracy and ball placement issues, you know, are what's really keeping me from falling in love with him. You know, between McCarthy, Milton, Leonard, you know, are there, you know, are there, are is there a tear break with them? I know they're all kind of you know similar upside players. Um, are there other players that um, you know? Is is there a, a difference in between them and and say Jordan Travis for you? Um, just give me a quick two seconds on um, where we are in our ranks right here.
0: Yeah, so I would say for me, Caleb Williams and Drake May are a tier. I do have a separation between them. I know some people out there like Dane Brewer has it as a 1A, 1B. I have it as a Drake Caleb Williams clearly one, Drake May clearly two. I kind of have Quinn Ewers and Jordan Travis in a tier together. That's how much I like Jordan and Travis, even though I think she profiles a little bit more as early day two. In round one, where Quinn Ewers, if he hits that potential, I think is a is a, is a lock to go round one. So then I kind of have Riley Leonard, Joe Milton, J.J. McCarthy, and the next two guys we're going to get into momentarily, Bo Nix and Michael Pannings Jr. They kind of make up the rest of the guys who I consider day two caliber prospects. But the fact that from in the summer, before the college football season, I have nine guys on my radar that I think could be top 100 picks. That's pretty strong. I don't usually go into a college football season and have nine guys that I potentially grade out as top 100 picks. So I think that for me is kind of how I have it tiered off of there. Williams and May in one, Ewers and Travis in one, and then a bigger tier up from Riley Leonard, you know, Joe Milton, McCarthy, and then down to Bo Nix and Michael Panix, kind of making up the guys right now who I look at as day two caliber players in terms of their traits and what I've seen and what I think they could become.
1: I love that you mentioned them. That they're they're sneaking into this tier because you know as we get there, these are names that you know I have a lot of interest in. You know, following to see how they follow up last year's uh, play and and how they might take that into you know into their draft capital this next year as potential round one players. And so I love to hear that they're going to be you know in this tier for you. Let's give let's get their profiles in here. Bo Nix, you know, he's got a storied history. He's at Oregon now. He's a senior. He's 6'2", 225. Last year, he had a great season. He had th- almost 3,600 passing yards, 72% completion percentage, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and then 500 yards on the ground and 14 touchdowns. What are you seeing out of Bo Nicks, especially with his transition to Oregon?
0: Yeah, so like I said, this tier of guys is, is, is razor thin and could be re-ranked in any order. And I think there might even be some previous Oregon bias in, in my Bo Nix that I haven't been ready to fully buy in. But as I watched him more this summer, I think I'm starting to turn and be a believer more than a skeptic. So let me kind of take you through the process. So Bo Nix, good size and frame good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. He can make every NFL throw. He really has improved his accuracy and ball placement between the numbers. Still have some questions about outside the numbers. Good athleticism, rushing ability, and mobility to throw on the run and playoff structure at times. I think his mechanics and his footwork are very clean. A, a drastic improvement from when he was at Auburn. I think he does an average to functional job in terms of handling pressure, going through progressions, the mental processing, the pocket presence, all have improved significantly. He's, at, he's now able to show he can throw with some touch and anticipation. Is there still some inconsistency at times with his accuracy in ball placement outside the numbers? Yes, has to improve. There's still some inconsistency in terms of the, his decision-making. He's still too aggressive, but he's reduced those bad plays. So I think, I think I'm more ready to buy in. I put him in that group, backup quarterback with the upside and trade to become a starting quarterback, day two caliber prospect right now with room to improve.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's well summed up. I still think I have some bias from his Auburn days, but I think we have to recognize that's not a healthy ecosystem for developing players, you know, it, especially at the quarterback position. Like there was a lot going on there. And I think this this new scenery has really allowed him to take those steps as a player and we don't know if he's capped out at where he was last year. He can take another step forward. Talking about another player who played really well last year, like you you mentioned him, this is the last player in your tier, Michael Penix Jr., redshirt senior from Washington, 6'2", 221, 4,600 passing yards last year, 31 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. We finally saw a healthy productive season, full season from Michael Penix Jr. So now that we got a chance to, to watch a full year of him, what are we seeing?
0: So Michael Penix Jr. last year, tremendous season. He's got good size and frame. I think the athleticism is probably just average. I think the arm talent is good. He can make any pro you need him to make. I think he's got above average accuracy and ball placement. He shows good mental processing with the ability to go for progressions quickly. He can throw from different arm angles with touch and anticipation like I said, I think the mobility and the athleticism are probably just average. I think the poise under pressure, I think we, we see him do it as a functional, same thing with his decision making. When I look at him and think about things where I'd like to see some improvement this year, you, we don't see much in terms of his rushing production. He's a little bit obviously an older prospect, right? He's, the injuries and durability are a concern. We see some inconsistency in terms of his accuracy and ball placement outside the numbers or when he's throwing on the run, something we know you've got to be able to handle at the NFL in this day and age, some inconsistent mechanics and footworks at times. I put him in that day two group. I put him in that backup quarterback with the traits to develop into a starting quarterback similar to the other guys we've talked about tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw it earlier in his college collegiate career that, you know, we thought he had some of those tools in his tool bag from the athleticism. Um, and maybe it's those injuries, but we didn't really see it last year. And you're right. Um, you know, I have them in my notes, very comfortable in the pocket, you know, really good, you know, at best in structure. And that's really where 90% of the NFL is, you know, is played as, is as a pocket quarterback, but it's, you know, what takes a prospect to the next step is how they can play in those three or four plays a game outside of structure where they might have to make something happen. I mean, you don't have to be able to elude the pocket to be able to do that you know get out of the pocket but you do have to be able to evade pressure within the pocket and so i think that's where penix is really going to you know make or break his his stock for me this year so we hit a tear break um but i think we still have a few exciting prospects here to go jaden daniels senior out of lsu 64 185 he really turned it on towards the, the later half of, of last year. 2,900 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, but almost another 900 on the ground with another 11 touchdowns. We're talking about another dual threat here, Paul. What else does he have in this game?
0: So when I look at Jaden Daniels, this was a guy I was a fan of before he even transferred to LSU, and I think we're starting to see the passing aspect develop to the point that makes him an NFL-caliber prospect. I classify him right now as a developmental quarterback with the upside due to his arm talent and athleticism to become a backup quarterback in a scheme that heavily utilizes RPO concepts. He's got good size. I think he's still got to add to that frame for the next level, but he's got good arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength. He can throw with touch, something that's impressive. It's always been impressive, even since his early days. Uh, you know, in college, he's got very good athleticism. He's got elusiveness, rushing ability, the mobility, the throw on the run, playoff structure, very dangerous weapon in terms of the RPO game. He can make plays with his legs inside and outside the pocket. There's some concerns, right? Inconsistent ball placement, some play strength issues, some footwork at times is a little shaky, but I think he's a guy that in today's day and age in the NFL, there's a place for Jaden Daniels at the next level
1: yeah i think a you know a backup quarterback is somebody you expect to have potentially uh, accuracy and placement ball issues um one thing that does show up is his experience he steps up when pressure hits the pocket that's something that you see younger quarterbacks within the college try to you know flush out the roll out of the pocket and he steps up and and will still get out of the pocket and scramble and get tons of yards with his feet um But that's something that, you know, I think we see with experience and maybe talking about players who have gotten better with new environments like Bo Nix and somebody who's shown some growth, um, you know, as they've gotten the experience. Number 11 quarterback on our rankings here is Spencer Rattler. He was, you alluded to him at the top of the show. He was once, you know, locked in as a top prospect. He's now a redshirt junior at Arkansas he played there last year 6'1, 210 with 3000 passing yards 18 touchdowns 12 interceptions um the year before at Oklahoma you know 1500 yards 11 touchdowns you know five interceptions we saw a little bit more on the ground as well so
0: Spencer Rattler i think you said arkansas it's it's south carolina but you know rattler is a really interesting guy cuz we talked about him before in terms of he was the guy that once upon a time was considered a guy who was locked in top five pick at Oklahoma, and then things kind of fell off the rails. So he goes to South Carolina last year, and I think he's starting to work his way back into a draftable prospect. You know, not a guy who's going to fall deep, deep in the draft. Maybe he's not back to where he was, but there are things to like about his game. So let me kind of take you through a little bit here. So Spencer Rattler, average size and frame. Good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. I think the accuracy and the ball placement are fairly good. He's got a really quick release. He's always had that. He throws with a good touch. I think he's got average to above average athleticism and mobility. He's not going to make plays with his legs in terms of rushing, but I think he can move around and buy time in the pocket. And he shows the ability to play off structure, throw on the run outside of the pocket. You know, there was a lot of years ago comparisons to a guy like Baker Mayfield right after Mayfield had his success at Oklahoma and you see some of that success from Spencer Rattler that looks like Baker Mayfield when Mayfield was at Oklahoma as well he's got to still continue to improve in terms of going for progressions his decision making his mental process he's got to speed it all up pocket presence handling pressure in the pocket but to me he's an early date for right now backup quarterback upside and natural traits maybe to develop into a starting quarterback down the line in a particular scheme
1: his upside was there and um we'll really have to see uh you know if he's able to recapture some of the magic i said arkansas because i'm excited for for one more uh name we have on our list that i hope we get to today um but before we get there let's start with number 12 shooter sanders uh transfer into colorado he's a junior 6 215 last year at jackson state 3,700 passing yards you know 40 touchdowns six interceptions you know that's there's a level of competition change there. Um, but while he was playing, you know, give us some of the strengths that we should look forward to, uh, you know, Colorado see.
0: Yeah, so Shea Dusan, there's really inter- interesting prospect that, you know, we're trying to, you know, see how he translates up to the, the higher level of competition coming from Jackson State to Colorado. But when you watch him play in terms of the film that's available from Jackson State, he's got average size and frame the arm talent, good in terms of velocity, strength, accuracy, and ball placement. He showed all of that at his time at Jackson State. Good athleticism, even though he doesn't have a lot of rushing production. I think the athleticism is there. He just didn't need to use it at Jackson State. He has a ability to be a, a weapon in the run game as well. He's got the mobility to move around inside and outside of the pocket. He showed some ability to throw on the run and play off structure when needed. Again, at Jackson State, not a lot of times it was needed. For him, it's the question marks. The level of competition, freshman and sophomore season at Jackson State, how does he he do in terms of the stepping up to the next level, clean up the mechanics and the footwork a little bit, show his ability to go through progressions and throw with more anticipation. He's a very interesting early day three prospect with room to potentially grow this upcoming season.
1: Yeah, and, and our next quarterback here, you know, was also a, a transfer uh, last year, um, but in 2021, Cameron Ward, quarterback 13 on our list here, junior in at washington state university six two two twenty five. you know he he transferred from incarnate uh a d2 school in 2021 where he had you know 46 4700 passing yards 47 touchdowns 10 interceptions just gaudy numbers right at the d2 level he comes in um and and does nearly the same stuff you know it uh for washington state you know 46 4700 passing yards 23 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. What's the what's the scouting profile for Cameron Moore?
0: So Cameron Moore was a, a guy I was really interested with last year, taking that big jump up, and I think he showed that he belongs, right? And I think that's the first thing you want to see when you're talking about a guy coming from Division II up to the, you know, Division one in, into a, ba- a major program like that. When I watch him play, good size and frame, good athleticism and mobility to throw on the run, playoff structure. He's got a really quick release. He shows the ability to throw from different platforms, different arm angles. Then the arm talent is good enough. The velocity and strength, accuracy and ball placement. He can throw with touch. He has the ability to improvise. You know, for me, the the concerning parts are still, I want to see more in terms of reading coverages, the mental processing, Quickly going through progressions, you know, inconsistent mechanics and footwork, especially you know if if he's dealing with pressure. So again, to me, the athleticism and the arm traits make him an intriguing developmental quarterback prospect with the upside to maybe develop into a backup quarterback. He's got that Day Three type grade, and we saw a lot of guys go on Day Three last year. Teams are looking for those cheaper quarterbacks.
1: Our next quarterback here is is the player that we got a chance to talk a little bit last year. There were some flashes and some inconsistencies. Quarterback out of Miami, Tyler Van Dyke. He's a senior this year. He didn't come out last year. Um, It's his his third year, you know, starting after a redshirt freshman year, 6'4", 225. He's had limited games. So his, you know, in the last two years, 10 games in 2021, nine games in 2022. So the numbers aren't going to look as inflated because of those games missed. But last year, 1,800 yards. 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. We talked a bit about him last year. We talked a bit about his inconsistencies. What is, what is one thing you're excited for Tyler Van Dyke to bring to the table? Yeah,
0: so Van Dyke is a really interesting prospect because we're talking about a guy who last year was thought of as maybe a round one caliber prospect. We thought that's where it was going. And then he was benched at one time and he just wasn't the guy that lived up to those expectations. So I think when you look at a guy... Like Tyler Van Dyke, right now he's a developmental quarterback with upside traits, and I don't even want to classify him as a backup or a guy who could develop into a starter because I think there's so much still to to un, unpack with with Tyler Van Dyke. I don't even I don't even know if this will be his last year in college, but he's got great size and frame that he has. He's got very good arm talent in terms of velocity and strike. He can make any NFL out He can push it outside the numbers. He can push it vertically down the field and in the tight windows. He's got good play strength, toughness, and physicality tough to bring down in the pocket. You know, he almost reminds you of like a big Ben in terms of his body type, body type and frame only. Uh, average athleticism and pocket mobility, average to above average accuracy and ball placement to all three levels of the field. Uh, things that, you know, concern me a little bit, he doesn't do a lot with his legs. And we know that's in, in vogue right now, that he doesn't handle pressure very well. He's got to improve his ability to read coverages and his pre and post snap, you know, understanding of defenses show that he can the mental processing aspect of it
1: let's keep it moving uh number 15 quarterback uh, jackson dart junior out of uh university of mississippi 6'2 to 20 last year he had nearly 3,000 passing yards 20 touchdowns 11 interceptions Again, some production on the ground 600 yards and a touchdown you know we've seen him for a couple years now how has his game developed and what are we looking for for this year?
0: So when I watch Jackson dark, he's a guy who's been in the Debbie, Dar- he's been a Debbie darling in the community for quite some time. And I think we're still waiting for that breakout year. But when I watch Jackson dark play, we're talking about a dual threat backup quarterback that would be best in a spread offense that utilizes RPO concept. I think right now we're talking about a day three grade. We'll see how this year kind of plays itself out. He's got average size. He's got good frame. He's got good athleticism, rushing ability, and mobility to throw on the run and play off structure. He can throw consistently well from different arm angles and platforms. He shows good touch. I think the accuracy and the ball placement are probably just average. I got question marks about his decision-making. He's got to decrease the number of turnovers. He's got to show that he can handle pressure better. There's some inconsistent ball placement and accuracy at times. Uh, He's got to show that he can work through progressions a little bit quicker and deal with the pre- and post-snap reads. So there's a lot of development from the quarterbacking side I didn't see as much growth under Lane Kiffin last year as I was hoping. We'll see if another year in the system he becomes a little bit more comfortable running that offense.
1: And we have two more before we take like a, just another you know break to check in where we are on our rankings. So we'll we'll go ahead and do these last two here. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame. He's a senior. He's six one, two ten. Uh last year he played at Wake Forest, you know, thirty seven hundred passing yards. 38 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. You know, I've got a friend who's a huge Notre Dame fan. I'm I'm actually gonna be getting the chance to see Hartman live, Notre Dame versus OSU later this year. Um, so I'm ex- what am I looking forward to here? I think
0: it's a very Sam Hartman, very smart, instinctual player. Like to me, if he had a trajectory of Case Keenum. I think that's very in the in the range of outcomes. Like it's not likely because a late round pick doesn't have usually a career like Case Kingdom, but I think we're looking at a guy who can start out as a third string or practice squad quarterback and develop into being a backup quarterback, especially in like a West Coast style passing offense. I think he's got average size and frame, average athleticism, average arm talent, but really good accuracy and ball placement, especially in the short to inter- intermediate parts of the field. I think he's a really good mental processor, shows the ability to quickly go through progressions, really good understanding of pre- and post-snap recognition. He throws a good touch and anticipation. He's not going to give you much in terms of rushing ability and rushing production. There's some inconsistency, accuracy, and ball placement vertically down the field, because I don't think he has that top-level arm talent you want. You don't see a lot of tight window throws, and there's some inconsistent upper-body mechanics. You don't see a lot of playing off structure and throwing on the run.
1: And then, yeah, I, I you know, jumped ahead of myself talking about Spencer Rattler. But, you know, we also talked about Quinn Ewers at number three getting drafted high because of his tools. I'm excited to talk about Arkansas senior K.J. Jefferson, 6'3", 252. He had almost 2,700 passing yards last year, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions, more production on the ground, 640, nine touchdowns. I mean, we're talking toolsy here. Um, This is a guy that, you know, I'm curious. So what are we seeing now and what does he have to do to really improve his draft stock?
0: Yeah, KJ Jefferson probably has the case that he can probably improve his draft stock of any quarterback I've talked about tonight. We're talking about a guy who's got like Cam Newton, like measurements. So he's a dual threat. I have him classified as a backup quarterback right now, best in the spread passing offense that utilizes RPO concepts and takes vertical shots down the field. You talked about it. Good size, great frame, great athleticism, rushing ability, and mobility to throw on the run, playoff structure, good to very good arm talent to make NFL throws. He shows good touch and and vertical passing ability. Average to above average accuracy and ball placement. Things that I want to see this year that I think are going to make or break where his draft stock goes. Showed the, you the, the mental processing side more. The ability to quickly work through progressions. Not take off so quickly when the first read is not there, which I think is the biggest issue right now. Some inconsistent mechanics, footwork, accuracy, and ball placement at times. show the ability to improve upon his pre- and post-snap recognition. And his release is, is something I think can be cleaned up a little bit.
1: That gets us to, you know, our, you know, top 17 quarterbacks you know we talked a little bit earlier you know that's really where we see you know a a big chunk of our names we have a few more ranked through here you know you have 18 to 24 on your list I don't think we're going to go through each one of them in depth we will touch on them as they play this year at least once I'm sure of it Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and and read, read through these last you know six seven names and give you a chance to go ahead and just highlight, you know, an, an aspect on one or two of them that you know you really want to put out there now, so people are ready for the season. We'll start with quarterback eighteen. We know his name, DJ Uiangalale, Oregon State. Now, number nineteen, Devin Leary, out of Kentucky. Number twenty, Keaton Slovis, he's at BYU now. Quarterback twenty-one is Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Quarterback twenty-two. Phil Yurkovich, who transferred out to Pittsburgh. Quarterback 23, JT Daniels, who's now at Rice. And quarterback 24, Graham Mertz, who's now over in Florida. I'm going to give you the floor, Paul. Why don't you take it from here? You know, one or two points. Highlight some of the names that you really want to see.
0: Yeah, so I think this this is basically the group of guys who have done a lot of moving around. Every single one of these guys, except Grayson McCall, has transferred, and has moved around in college football. Some of these guys were highly regarded once upon a time, like D.J. Ulangle, uh Caden Slovis was once upon a big-time prospect. Phil Jerkovis was once considered a top-50 prospect. JT Daniels was like a five-star recruit that I think started out at USC, right? And then went to West Virginia. It was a Georgia stop in there. You know, some of these guys have been guys that, that I've had full detailed scouting reports for years now and just continue to update it you know, as they transfer to a new spot. So, you know, these guys at the end there, especially Daniels and Mertz, they're probably not the 23rd or 24th best quarterback. There's some guys that we have like on a watch list that are probably more intriguing than those guys, but they're just guys that we've been following for so long. I've been watching them for years and years. So I felt the need to include them in my initial ranks of guys that I've watched, which these 24 guys are guys that I've watched in depth. So that's why they're kind of there at the bottom. But the guys that, you know, for me, it is really, you know, DJ Ulangle is the guy that really stands out on this because it wasn't that long ago that we thought he was on the trajectory to be the next, you know, top level Clemson quarterback prospect, you know, after Trevor Lawrence, you know, there was last year when I talked room, there was a there's a there was a lot of similarities between Ulangle college quarterback when he was at his best and then Dak Prescott in college. And I thought he was going to take that next step to maybe become, you know, a, a early day three or even a day two type prospect. And once upon a time, I even thought he was going to be around one guy. So I'm interested to see if the, the change, you know, in college, going to Oregon State, maybe the pressure of Clemson kind of resets himself. Can he get back to that? Because we're talking about a guy that that's the prototype. We're talking about the guy with the size and frame you know, that teams are looking for, the athleticism, the play strength to stay alive in the pocket, to make throws on the move. Like for him, it was just about inconsistency. So moments where he looked like a round one guy, or so moments where he looked like a UDFA prospect. Can he find some level of consistency, you know, playing out there, you know, on the West Coast now, you know, you know, at Oregon State, I think he's the guy that intrigues me the you know, most. Devin Leary last year, a lot of people, you know, last year when he was at NC State thought he was on that round three, round four border. It didn't materialize. Now he goes to Kentucky. He replaces Will Levitt. We'll see, you know, th- can he get back to that? I think those are probably the two that intrigue me the most. There's some people that still believe in Caden K- Slovis. I don't see it. I've always, I've never been as high on Slovis as the Debbie community was. Uh, Grayson McCall last year, some people thought he was around three guy. I didn't have him there before the season. You know, so I, I think he's more of a late round stab type guy. And then Phil Jerkovic, I never just saw, you know, when, when he was getting some buzz, I would watch Boston College and, and, you know, I didn't see what other people were seeing. I didn't see the arm talent that, that some saw. I, I thought he didn't play up to his, his size and frame. The, the athleticism I thought was a little bit, you, you know, suspect. I know he got some yards, but I, I think it was more to scheme in the system than him. So there's a lot of guys with question marks here, but sometimes. You get him in a new environment, you get him with a different coach. Like we, we see that at the NFL, right? I see it in my hometown here in New York, right? The difference between Daniel Jones and just what he, I think, is capable of now, you know, on the Brian Dable compared to what he was, you know, with Jason Garrett, night and day. So some of these guys, maybe they weren't in the right scheme. Maybe they weren't athletes you know, the play up and maximize their strengths. And maybe in the new situation, maybe they can. That's why I think we leave the light on for these guys. They're going to be guys that I think we're intrigued to check in on. Do any of these guys kind of refine what once upon a time had them as much more highly thought of prospects? right? JT Daniels was once thought to be a a really high level prospect. Same thing with Jerkovic. Same thing with Slovis. Same thing with Alongale. Devin Leary never had that Debbie type buzz, but also was a guy that last year, some thought he could be in the mix where we saw guys go last year, like Stetson Bennett and Jaron Hall and Aiden O'Connell. A lot of people thought that was Devin Leary last year also. And maybe, you know, just didn't finish materializing there at NC State. So, you know, I think the interesting thing is when I started, you know, when we started Saturday and Sunday, we kind of were under the impression eight to 10 quarterbacks are going to get drafted most years. Now, I think last year we started to see a little bit of a shift that, Teams are going to take more stabs on day three guys than I think we've ever seen before to try to see if they can find a backup quarterback on the cheap because of how much now backup quarterbacks cost to get a good serviceable backup quarterback at the next level. So I think now it's not just about knowing eight or 10 guys. I think now we're going to have to start going into the draft and having 15 to 20 names on our mind. Not saying 15 to 20 are going to go, but I think we might start seeing more like 12, 13, 14 quarterbacks go in a draft and not like nine, eight, nine, ten, 10. And I think that's what makes some of these names a little bit interesting here. Because I think some of these guys who are in my 18 to 24, they can move their way up a little bit. And some of these guys are going to come out, right? They're not all seniors. So some of these guys we're talking about down here, they have a chance to be drafted. They have a chance to be round four, round five where these teams are hoping these guys develop into backup quarterbacks down the line. So it's going to be fun to check in on these guys. Like I said, all of them are playing in new spots next year, except Grayson McCall, who did enter the transfer portal and then backed out. So literally every one of these guys on this list either transferred and in McCall's place, entered the transfer portal and ended up coming back and staying at
1: Coastal Carolina for another year. Yeah, and, you know, honestly you mentioned it, a lot of guys are going to go back to school and there's going to be these guys looking for, you know, draft hopefuls and you have a QB watch list on, you know, your notebook rankings. We don't, I don't think we need to do anything more besides take a name or two, but there's a couple down here. Um, And the obvious one being Kyle McCord, Dylan Gabriel is a guy I've liked. Jalen Daniels is someone who I took note of last year as well. Is there any other name you want to highlight just for people to to put a bug in their ear for when they you know see a game going on
0: yeah I mean I think you mentioned I think you mentioned the top two right there in terms of you know Kyle McCord is a guy who could easily there's just no film on him to watch it anything to make an evaluation right now so Kyle McCord is is the one guy uh if Carson Beck is the starter for Georgia I think obviously Georgia you gotta you gotta keep an eye on anybody who's playing for that program and what they could do so I would say Carson Beck out of Georgia Kyle McCord out of Ohio State Uh, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel out of Oklahoma and then up from Michael Pratt out of Tulane. I think those would be the four guys, maybe Austin Reed out of Western Kentucky. Those would be the handful of guys, um, from there. And we'll be interested to see if Spencer Sanders takes the job from Jackson Dart. You know, I have, I, I, we talked about Jackson Dart before, but I also have Spencer Sanders out of Ole Miss also on the QB watch list here. So it'll be interesting to see. My guess is in time, some of these guys will be guys that once some film on them, especially the Kyle McCords of the world and stuff. And Dylan Gabriel, some more film, you know, those will be guys that maybe like I add to the Scouting notebook, right? This is a first look. So right now when you know when the new notebooks come out, you're gonna have twenty four detailed scouting profiles for the quarterback position. I've never started with that many from the summer. There's 24 in there already. My guess is between the season and then the pre-draft months, you know, with the senior ball and stuff like that, they'll eventually probably be close to 30 detailed, you know, scouting reports on quarterbacks in that. We'll see who comes out and who doesn't. But I think that just tells you how deep the quarterback is in terms of intriguing guys to at least evaluate from a college perspective in terms of trying to translate to the next level. So yes, I think the watch list had some interesting names. Especially considering we have a couple from major programs like Ohio State and Georgia.
1: Paul, it's absolutely been a pleasure to get back on here. Um, I know these your guests have been stellar. I've been listening to each one of those episodes. I think if and if anybody's missed them, you know we've it's been a, a stellar cast of characters. With I know a few more to come. You know some of our favorites deep to get in there if we can get them on the schedule. And I know we're going to be doing the other positions as well. You know I hope to be able to. Uh, be here to walk through them with you as well any parting thoughts
0: yeah I mean listen I'm excited to be digging into this class now I finished the running backs and tight ends they'll probably be the next two shows Uh, the tight ends are all written up the running backs uh, hopefully they'll all be finished written up by Monday Uh, we'll probably look to aim to do a running back show next week and then maybe the week after double dip and do a tight end and wide receiver show that week two separate shows but do a tight end and wide receiver show that week to kind of have those four in the books. Uh, seeing if I can get a, a guest on the kind of preview to college football season. And then as you mentioned, maybe we'll we'll circle back to the NFL rookies. Uh, maybe with one or two guests before the summer as well. Just to kind of check in on those guys before they start their journey as NFL rookies. But this quarterback class has me excited, right? We kind of broke down, you know, the tiers before in terms of, you know, the, the top 100 in terms of the round one guys, the borderline round one. Round two, the, the rest of the day two guys. But that's a lot of interesting names. And I think what you're going to see is a lot of movement, right? The last guy we really talked about was K.J. Jefferson, who was down 17. But he can be a guy that catapults himself all the way in into the late day two next, I think. So he's he at 17 now, but he could push his way, you know, into that eight, nine, 10 range. And there's other guys on day two. Does Jaden Daniels take another step in his throwing. And, and that side of his game to add to the athleticism. So there's a lot of guys. And then, we like we said, that late, that late spot with all those transfers. Does somebody just find a different gear and find their way back to, you know, what people once upon a time thought about those guys? I think it's a really fun storyline. I think it's a really interesting quarterback landscape right now. Can Caleb Williams and Drake May? I don't see any. I don't see anybody thinking that there's any way they can go the way of Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell from a couple years ago. I think those guys are locked in, you know, minus like a devastating injury of, of being two guys that we're talking about right near the top of the 2024 NFL Draft. But things change, right? Like you know, we were right on Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields, right? They held, they held serve, but no one was really talking about Zach Wilson that year, right? And and we were talking about Trey Lance. We didn't know how high he can go, but he was an intriguing guy. I think that's how I feel. I like Trey Lance more than a like guy like Quinn Ewers. But who can be Zach Wilson, right? That's the wild card, that we're not talking about top five, top ten. Is there somebody from this class? And I think there's so many interesting names on day two, you know, that right now would be maybe classified as day two type guys, from, from Jordan Travis to Joe Milton to Michael Panix and, and the rest of those guys we talked about. Can somebody else materialize? Or maybe there's not even a guy we mentioned tonight, right? That's always the fun part. Can there be a guy that like no one had Joe Burrow even on their radar when he entered his final season in college and and then look what happened there, right? So it's a fun thing. It'll be interesting to see if anybody emerges and and adds themselves to the VIX. It'll be interesting to see if the top guys hold firm and then how the rest of it kind of shakes itself out, you know, and that'll be fun to kind of throughout the season, I don't think, yeah, we could talk about Drake May and Caleb Williams every every week on this on the show, but I think we're going to have a lot of interesting quarterback discussion because I think it's a really unique class with you know all different styles of play and, and guys who have a lot of experience, guys who have limited experience. We'll, we're going to go on a little bit of a roller coaster, similar to the Anthony Richardson roller coaster last year. Uh, I, I think we might have some guys that might take us on a little bit of that roller coaster this year as well, and we'll we'll see if they can turn it into the draft success obviously put Anthony Richardson, you know, right there at the top of last year's draft. So, really excited. Running backs next week. Then, then we'll turn to the pass catchers. Uh, hope you like this new format where we did it in ranking style. Really quick hitters. Really easy to digest. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hopefully you enjoyed, you know, taking a glance at, at the scouting reports as well there as Jeff and I were talking through it. So, on behalf of Jack. On behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano and myself. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.